dwelling in Rajagriha at Vulture Peak Mountain, together with a great gathering of the Sangha of monks and a great gathering of the Sangha of Bodhisattvas. At that time, the Blessed One, the Samadhi that expresses the Dharma called Profound Illumination, and at the same time, Noble Abhukteshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, while practicing the Profound Prajnaparamita, saw in this way, he saw the five skandhas to be empty of nature. And through the power of the Buddha, Venerable Shariputra said to Noble Abhukteshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, How should a son or daughter of noble family train who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita? Addressed in this way, Noble Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, said to Venerable Shariputra, O Shariputra, a son or daughter of noble family who wishes to practice the profound Prajnaparamita should see in this way, seeing the five skandhas to be empty of nature. Form is emptiness, emptiness also is form, emptiness is no other than form, form is no other than emptiness. In the same way, feeling, perception, formation, and consciousness are emptiness. Thus, Shariputra, all dharmas are emptiness. There are no characteristics. There is no birth and no cessation. There is no impurity and no purity. There is no decrease and no increase. Therefore, Shariputra, in emptiness, there is no form, no feeling, no perception, no formation, no consciousness, no eye, no ear, no nose, no tongue, no body, no mind, no tongue, no smell, no taste, no touch, no dharmas, I datu up to no mind datu, no datu of dharmas, no mind consciousness datu, no ignorance, no end of ignorance up to no old age and death, no end of old age and death, no suffering, no origin of suffering, no cessation of suffering, no path, no wisdom, no attainment, and no non-attainment. Therefore, Shariputra, since the Bodhisattvas have no attainment, abide by means of Prajnaparamita. Since there is no obscuration of mind, there is no fear. They transcend falsity and attain complete nirvana. All the Buddhas of the three times by means of Prajnaparamita fully awaken to unsurpassable true complete enlightenment. Therefore, the great mantra of Prajnaparamita, the mantra of great insight, the unsurpassed mantra, the mantra, the mantra that calms all suffering should be known as truth since there is no deception. The Prajnaparamita mantra is said in this way, Teyata Om Gade Gade Paragade Parasangati Bodhisattva. Thus, Shariputra, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, should train in the profound Prajnaparamita. Then the Blessed One arose from that Samadhi and praised Noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, saying, Good, good, O son of noble family, thus it is, O son of noble family, thus it is. One should practice the profound Prajnaparamita just as you have taught, and all the Tathagatas will rejoice. When the Blessed One had said this, Venerable Shariputra and Noble Avogateshvara, the Bodhisattva Mahasattva, that whole assembly in the world with its gods, humans, Asuras, and Gandharvas, rejoiced and praised the words of the Blessed One. Jandara <laughs> 
Adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon, I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. Holy Lamas high, wrap the sky of your Dharma bodies in massive clouds of knowledge and love. Let them pour upon the earth of your disciples as we are ready, a shower of rain, the teachings deep and wide. Dagi, 
So this evening we will be giving an introduction to, to Buddhism. <coughs> so first we have to start with the word Dharma or the word religion and ask what is it? What is the benefit of it? So the word Dharma uh, can also be translated, this translator's note, into English as phenomena. Um, so it's the same exact word in Tibetan. We just changed the name of the word in English, but it, it's only one word in Tibetan. Um, so the word uh, Dharma um, can stand for phenomena or any sort of established basis or existent things. Um, but when we speak of Dharma and we're speaking of it specific uh, to religion, um, then it has a different meaning and, and it doesn't just stand for all phenomena or all existent things. So when we're speaking of the word Dharma in the context of religion or in, in a religious context, then there are differences in different religious traditions uh, depending upon the tenets of, of what that Dharma or the religion is teaching. <laughs> So the Dharma that we're referring to when we speak of the Dharma or religion of the Christian or Buddhist or uh, um, Hindu, any of the religious traditions, uh, refers to that which causes happiness. So, what, what are we speaking of uh, when we're talking about Dharma and what is engaging in Dharma? When we look at the I itself or the ego, or the I or I possess a mind and then we refer to the mind as my mind. Uh, so we, uh, when we're speaking of uh, what we're doing, what 
what is being affected by dharma, we're referring to mind. And then we have to ask the question, is there a past uh, life where there is this mind? Is there a future life where there is this mind? We have to ask these questions. Um, and when we establish that there are these things, then we recognize that independence upon a positive mind, the, low, uh, the higher realms of rebirth are achieved. And independence upon a negative mind or a bad mind, the lower realms of rebirth are achieved. So it's all independence upon the abilities of this mind that we possess. So religion then, or dharma, becomes the cause of happiness because it's independence upon uh, the virtue that is found in the dharma that one is able to have happiness. So the mind uh, uh, is able to achieve uh, um, whatever uh, one wishes to achieve, be it happiness or suffering. And like ourselves, all other sentient beings also wish and like to have happiness. So that happiness is achieved, happiness is achieved by engaging in positive activities of our body, positive activities, activities of our speech, and positive activities of our mind. Because positive activities or virtue become that which causes happiness, and it's independence upon causes that results occur. If the causes for happiness aren't present, because it is a result, it can necessarily not be, it can necessarily not be produced. So independence upon virtue, desire realm happiness uh, is created, and virtue means act, virtuous action of one's body, speech, or mind. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, um, one engages in um, actions uh, through body, speech, and mind. So there are negative actions of the body, speech, and mind, and there are positive actions of the body, speech, and mind. 
And both positive and negative actions have varying degrees. Uh, so if one engages in, uh, engages in the greatest degree of non-virtue through his or her body, uh, then this promotes or is the cause for uh, the most negative result, which is rebirth into the hell realm. If one engages in a medium degree of non-virtue through one's body, then this produces the um, medium uh, level of suffering result, which is rebirth into the hungry ghost realm. And if one uh, engages in a small degree of non-virtue through one's body, then this uh, creates or becomes a cause for rebirth um, into the animal realm. Um, so the, the same is true also for virtue, which is actually the abandonment of non-virtue. So virtue is considered the ethics, which is the abandonment of non-virtue, the abandonment of the negativity of the body, the abandonment of the negativity of the speech, and the abandonment of the negativity of the mind. And those abandonments also have degrees. Uh, so the, the greatest degree of ab abandonment creates the greatest form of happiness, uh, which refers to rebirth into the God's realm. The medium degree of uh, virtue uh, or ethics that one engages in pr uh, produces a rebirth into the demigod's realm, and a small degree produces rebirth into the, the um, human realm. Um, so according, this is uh, how actions uh, produce results according to Buddhism, and the specific results that uh, actions create depending upon the degree um, of the action that has been engaged in. It's similar to a rice crop. If all of the factors are present, uh, the water and the, the earth and the fertilizer and the, the sunlight, if all the factors are cre present for that rice crop, it will produce the, the greatest abundance or the best rice crop possible. If only a medium amount of those uh, factors are present, then it will produce a medium kind of rice crop. And the same would be for a small. If there was only a small amount of the things it needed present, it would produce a small, not very good rice crop. So uh, the same is true uh, um, for the degrees um, of action that one carries out and its results, be it ha be they happiness or suffering. So, uh, according to Buddhism, uh, this is how, uh, this is um, uh, why it is said that there are the six realms of cyclic existence um, and how they are produced. So, samsara or uh, six realms of cyclic existence. Um, why, why that enumeration and how they are produced? This is the reason given. So there are some differences in religions. Uh, so here we find this assertion according to Buddhism. And in uh, other religious traditions such as Christianity or Hinduism or Judaism, there is the assertion of a, a creator God. So we do find some differences here. So 
So when we look at the I itself or the ego, we have to ask, has there been a previous uh, existence or a previous birth? And uh, Buddhism not only asserts a previous uh, birth, but also uh, asserts that it is a beginningless birth. Uh, beginningless, um, uh, this I has had beginningless births, and translators know not to say that this I is what carries on, or the ego carries on. Uh, it's the consciousness we're speaking of, but there has been beginningless uh, rebirths according to Buddhism. So how do we prove the existence of previous lives? We prove the existence of previous lives using three signs that we find in Dharmakirti's Pramanabhartika Karika, the commentary to the Compendium of Valid Cognition. So the uh, three signs that are shown in this text to prove the existence of previous lives are the following. First, the existence of consciousness. Um, uh, the second is the existence of the sense powers. And the third is the presence of the breathing in and out. And we find something that these features are exclusive to beings, or uh, uh, it's kansak in uh, Tibetan, um, or a person or being. Uh, trees, uh, uh, or flowers, these don't have these, these aspects of breathing in and out, of consciousness, of the sense powers. Uh, this is something that's ex ex exclusive to persons or beings. Um, uh, um, so these three um, uh, signs uh, um, and, and, and the fact that they are present is what Dharmakirti uses to prove the existence of previous lives, that the consciousness came from previous consciousness, the sense powers from previous, and the um, breathing in and out came from a previous breathing in and out. So the, um, the breathing in and out, the sense powers, and the consciousness of this, uh, that we possess in this particular life was caused by the breathing in and out, sense powers, and consciousness that were present in the intermediate state, or the bardo state. Um, so this is where the, the, these particular fac uh, faculties, or the breathing, the sense powers, and consciousness of this life came from. They came from those, the, the sense powers and the, con the consciousness and breathing in the intermediate state. So in Buddhism, uh, so the, this is from the intermediate state, which is then caused by the previous life, and then it, it goes, uh, regresses from there. Um, so this is uh, how 
Buddhism asserts that there are beginningless lives, um, um, and and these and how these three factors prove that existence. And then, because we have beginningless lives, Buddhism Buddhism asserts that all sentient beings are our mothers. Um, and the reason for this assertion is that even though they aren't in this particular life, they are our mothers from previous lives, and we have just forgotten that they are. Um, so this is the reason uh, that um, Buddhism asserts that uh, all sentient beings are our mother because of the existence of this beginningless uh, rebirth. So we can't say that they have only been our mothers. We also say they've been our fathers, they've been our siblings, they've been our sisters, they've been our friends, they've been our enemies, they've been our neutrals. Um, all sentient beings have had all of those relationships with us previously. <laughs> So this is the reason uh, for the assertion of previous lives. Now the next question is, are there future lives? Um, and, and how can we establish that there will be future lives? Um, and this particular life uh, that we um, are experienced now, experiencing now is as a result of having attachment in our previous life. So if one has attachment, then that is necessarily an indicator that one will take on a future life. So if one has attachment in this life, it necessarily means that there will be a future life because it was the last life's attachment that caused this particular existence to, uh, or experience to, take, to occur. Um, so knowing this, we, will, we, sh we should assume that we will want to have happiness in our future lives and be free from suffering in the same way that we do in this life. So it's necessary then for us to engage in the Dharma or uh, religious practice in order to create the causes for that happiness. <coughs> So, uh, in order to have uh, the, um, uh, the, the virtue that propels us into happiness in our future lives, uh, the Buddha um, has taught various teachings that will allow us to um, have those results. The Buddha's taught the teachings shared in common with beings of small uh, and medium capacity and the teachings for beings of great capacity. Um, and then we could say that these are the um, stand for the three different pathways. Uh, the pathways which lead beings to the higher realms, the pathways which lead beings to liberation or nirvana, uh, and then the pathways that lead beings to uh, Buddhahood. Um, so uh, those pathways correspond to the small, medium, and great scope. 
So uh, we don't have any, uh, we all want to have happiness uh, and wish to always be in that state, but the fact remains that we only sometimes uh, um, have that experience of happiness. It's, it's not a static condition. Uh, it's something that's changing. And we don't have any independence or choice in whether uh, uh, we were born. We were born, so we necessarily have the suffering of birth, and, and we don't have any independence relative to that. We will get older. We don't have any choice in that matter. Uh, so we have no independence relative to the suffering of, of aging. Uh, we will become sick. We don't have any uh, choice in that matter. We have no independence relative to the suffering of sickness. Uh, and we eventually will die. Uh, and we don't really have a choice in that matter or any independence relative to the suffering of death. Uh, so we um, have to experience all of these, uh, all of these types of suffering and don't really have any control over them. And we see that uh, um, there are parents uh, who have uh, um, many different types of children uh, who have different characteristics. Uh, some of the parents uh, have children who are very loving, some are very compassionate, some are very angry, uh, um, uh, uh, some are very intelligent, uh, some are very stupid. Uh, so we see that there are uh, so many different qualities that uh, parents, uh, um, uh, parents, uh, children can have that are not necessarily the same as theirs. So the reason for these differences, the reason for these different qualities is because the causes are different. The causes are uh, previous actions that were engaged in that uh, produce these results of intelligence or lack of intelligence, etc. Um, so all of these uh, results are different because the actions that the individuals previously that the, the individuals previously engaged in were different, the virtue and the non-virtue that has caused the, these various experiences and qualities that the beings, these uh, children possess. And then in school, we see the, some children who uh, have an affinity for and do very well in English, and others who do very well in history, uh, but maybe not so much in English. And it's because of previous imprints that uh, these children have from previous lives that give them these affinities, that give them these uh, um, um, qualities. <laughs> so uh, 
So we see everyone has a little bit of a different hue uh, or a different coloring about the, their skin. Uh, and some people are very tall or some are short. The very different body types that we see. And all of these are results. All of these uh, characteristics are results of previous actions or previous karma. <laughs> Compendium, commentary to the Compendium of Valid Cognition. Let us see he's there. Um, uh, he, he states that there are uh, so many different results that can occur because there are so many different causes that make those results. Uh, so this is what was meant by the quote in that text. <laughs> So we notice that there are always uh, people who are passing away, there are always animals who are passing away, but we also notice that there are babies who are being born constantly, and there are animals that are also being born constantly. Uh, so where are all these births coming from? These births are coming from uh, the pre, the um, not specifically the ones, but from the beings who have passed away. These new beings are a continuation of, of that consciousness. I'm, I'm trying to be literal and make it make sense at the same time. Um, so these the new beings that are being born are a result of the passing of the previous uh, beings. <laughs> So we also see uh, in uh, um, parents who wish to have a child, uh, some uh, um, who, some women who wish to not have a child uh, will suddenly have a child. Uh, other parents who want to have a child can't seem to have a child. Um, uh, and then there are those who just quite easily can have a child if they want to have a child. Um, all of these experiences are a result of previous karma or previous imprints. So in whatever one's desire is, it doesn't, ever, it doesn't seem like it, it gets met. So if somebody wants to have a boy, they have a girl. If somebody wants to have a girl, they have a boy. So it doesn't seem like uh, there's an independence there either. It's a result of karma. So if we think about these, all of these different things and think about all of these different causes, then we can understand how uh, the, these causes create uh, the different characteristics and experiences. So if, if we look at the actual practice of Dharma and the abandonment of, of misdeeds, the human basis is really the best suited to engage in that. The human basis is, is uh, more precious, as said, than a wish-fulfilling jewel um, because this human basis possesses all of the potential and the abilities uh, to engage in Dharma practice and abandon negativities and misdeeds.
So if we look at the human mind and its ability in a non-religious aspect, if we look at its abilities relative to the sciences, uh, we can see how much because the, has been created because of the intelligence of the human mind or the abilities of the human mind. We have uh, um, airplanes and trains and nuclear bombs and medicine and schools. All of these exist because of the uh, intelligence and ability of the human mind. So because we possess this mind and the mind has all of these abilities, we're able to um, find out what the causes of happiness are. We're able to find out what the causes of suffering are. We're able to understand what the two noble truths mean, to understand what the four noble truths mean, to understand uh, what karma uh, and its results mean, or cause and effect means. We're able to understand uh, the pathways that lead to the um, higher realms, and the pathways that lead to uh, liberation or nirvana, and the pathways which lead to Buddhahood. All of these things uh, can be understood uh, because of the ability of the human mind. <laughs> So, negativities or non-virtues of our body, speech, and mind are called pathways that lead to the lower realms. Um, and then the pathways which lead to the higher realms um, are uh, positive or virtuous actions of one's body, speech, and mind, and those pathways are found in the teachings that are shared in common with beings of small capacity. So the teachings that are shared in common with beings of small capacity that are pathways which lead beings to the higher realms, um, according to, this is in Buddhism now, according to Buddhism, um, uh, um, are as follows. By engaging in a refuge in the three jewels, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, engaging in ethics or ethical behavior, which is the abandonment of the ten non-virtuous activities. Um, and if one has uh, engaged in negativity, acknowledging one's downfalls or confessing one's downfalls. Um, so by engaging in these practices, uh, one is able to uh, achieve rebirth into the higher realms, and these are the these are called pathways which lead beings to the higher realms, or teachings shared in common with beings of small capacity. Mm-hmm. 
So the basis of refuge refers to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. So the Buddha is a basis, the Dharma is a basis, and the Sangha is a basis. Um, and and the um, so we need to look at the um, uh, Buddha as if the Buddha is like a doctor, and the Dharma, uh, like uh, the Dharma, is medicine, and the Sangha, like a helpful, helpful nurse or aid uh, in our um, journey or quest. Uh, so uh, we need to look at these bases of refuge in that way. ตาลนาฟุนานะเนี่ยคนดัดดัดเนี่ยคนดัดดัดเนี่ยอันนี้ดัดดัดก็ซุบตาจีจีอันนี้นาสะเกสิเมตาชูเมตาโอ้เต็
The first two, the truth of suffering and origin, uh, uh, show the cause and effect relationship um, between those two. Uh, the cause and effect relationship between those two show how one is bound to cyclic existence. So suffering and the origin of suffering uh, refer to how one refer to the cause and effect the cause that creates suffering. Uh, so that's how one is bound to cyclic existence. The next set of cause and effect relationships are found in the cessation of suffering and path because path is that which causes or creates the cessation of suffering. And this, uh, these two truths uh, show how one is freed from or unbound from cyclic existence. So the first two noble truths show how one is bound to cyclic existence, and the last two noble truths show how, how one is freed from cyclic existence. So the Buddha is the only teacher who has shown those two relationships, uh, um, uh, uh, um, how one is stuck in cyclic existence or bound to cyclic existence and then how one is freed from cyclic existence and the buddha presented that by way of the four noble truths So the Buddha stated at the first turning of the wheel, um, uh, this is the superior truth of suffering. Uh, this is the superior truth of origin, this is the superior truth of cessation, and this is the superior truth of path. So the first um, statement, this is the superior truth of suffering, was referring to uh, suffering, uh, the suffering of birth, the suffering of aging, the suffering of sickness, the suffering of death, the various types of suffering. Uh, so that's what Buddha was referring to in that first truth uh, that was uh, pronounced. The second, uh, this is the superior truth of origin, is referring to that which causes the first noble truth, the truth of suffering. So origin is referring to cause, and here cause is referring to two divisions. Uh, karma, that is the cause or origin, and afflictions that are the cause or origin. Um, and karma referring to actions of one's body, uh, um, uh, speech, um, and mind, and then afflictions referring to attachment and hatred, the various negativities, uh, um, uh, um, 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 that are contained within the mind. Uh, so these uh, two uh, fall categorically, karma and afflictions fall categorically under the causes of suffering, uh, which are under the major heading of the second noble truth, uh, the superior truth of origin. Okay. So the, uh, the next set of statements about the first two truths were that suffering is to be understood um, and uh, origin is to be abandoned. Um, and the reason for this is if one doesn't truly understand what suffering is and what the experience of suffering is referring to, then there isn't a, a desire to abandon what causes it or to abandon the origin. So this is why the Buddha stated that suffering must first be understood and then origin abandoned. What the Mm -hmm. 
so the the second set of statements about the second two noble truths that first were stated this is the superior truth of uh, cessation and path uh, were as follows the Buddha stated that cessation is to be achieved um, and that um, path is to be relied upon or meditated upon um, and here this is referring to um, through reliance upon a pathway one is able to achieve the state of cessation which is the abandonment of suffering um, so the pathway here is referring to that which is an antidote to the karma and the afflictions which are the origins so the pathway is that which abandons the karma and the afflictions so by relying upon pathways such as the wisdom realizing emptiness um, the wisdom realizing impermanence um, etc uh, one is able to abandon the karma and the afflictions and achieve a state of liberation or a cessation of suffering. And here, when we state the wisdom uh, realizing emptiness, uh, in the Sutra of the Heart of Transcendent Knowledge, we find many negative statements made. There is no this, there is no that, no eye, no ear, etc., etc. Here, there is no negation of the existence of these objects being made. There is merely a negation of the mode of subsistence of the objects that are being stated, are, are, are being uh, um, pronounced. Um, so here, the negation is of, of the true establishment of these objects. Uh, they are necessarily not truly established um, because they dependently originate. And it is the grasping at objects as being truly established which is the actual root of suffering. The mistaken view that grasps at these things as being truly established or uh, truly existent is uh, the root of cyclic existence, the root of suffering. So uh, that is what is meant by um, a pathway and wisdom realizing emptiness, the wisdom realizing the lack of true establishment of these objects um, so that one is able to uh, no longer um, um, have a mistaken view which causes their occurrence. The sufferings occurrence. <laughs> So, the the only statement uh, that serves as an opponent uh, to the mistaken view that I am truly established is the fact that I am not truly established. 
So the only opponent for the grasping at true establishment, which is a mistaken view, is the non-mistaken view that I am not truly established. In the same way that the only opponent for a mistaken view that one might have when walking into a dark room, when he or she might misperceive a rope for a snake, uh, and, and think that there is a snake in the room instead of a rope. The only opponent to that mistaken view would be the acknowledgement that the rope is a rope and not a snake. There is no other uh, form of reasoning that serves as an opponent to that mistaken view uh, that the rope um, is a snake. It ha one has to recognize that it is a rope. Likewise, the only <coughs> thing which literally the word is harms, the only thing that harms the mistaken view that grasps that true establishment is the non-mistaken <coughs> view that there is not true establishment. Um, so uh, this, then the grasping at the eye as being truly established is what causes the afflictions, <coughs> which causes the actions, which cause the uh, suffering to occur. So the abandonment of that grasping at true establishment is what causes rebirth into the higher realms and causes uh, liberation causes uh, Buddhahood. Uh, so it's the opposite of the mistaken view that is the only thing that serves <coughs> to that mistaken view. It has to be the, the non-mistaken view that, <coughs> that gets rid of it, that gets rid of it. So it's because the Buddha has taught these things. The Buddha has taught the, um, how the cause and effect relationship that uh, causes one, uh, the cause and effect relationship that causes one to found <coughs> cyclic existence, um, and then the cause and effect rela uh, relationship that uh, shows how one to be uh, shows one how to be unbound or freed from cyclic existence. So it is Buddha alone who has taught uh, how one is stuck in cyclic existence and how one is freed in cyclic existence by way of the four noble truths. So for it's, it's for that reason that we state that the Buddha is the uh, most appropriate object of, our, <coughs> of of refuge or of our refuge. So this is how we develop this idea of refuge. So it's stated in the second chapter of the Dharmakirti's Pramanavartika Karika, the commentary on the compendium to valid cognition, that uh, Buddha is the ultimate refuge, Buddha alone is the ultimate refuge because Buddha uh, alone has taught the four noble truths. The Buddha is the only teacher of these four noble truths. Mm. 
And then in the Abhisama Alamkara, Maitreya's Ornament for Clear Realization, uh, it states that uh, established truths, it's always strange because it doesn't make as much sense in English, uh, established truths uh, allow one to understand the uh, Buddha jewel, the Dharma jewel, and the Sangha jewel. And here established is referring to the two truths, and truths is referring to the four noble truths. Um, I, I have it over here, I, but I, I, another time we can look at the exact what they're translating as literally. It's probably established truths, um, uh, but it's referring to the two truths and the four noble truths. Um, and so there's a similar theme that we find in the Abhisama Alamkara, uh, where it's uh, showing that through understanding the two truths and the four noble truths, the, the three jewels are understood. It's cool. Leukagi. It's in the first chapter, so I'll be able to find it. What that the Sanjay Gunjul Chosu do in a Sanjay Gunjul Chosu do Sanjay Shibu, so uh, it's not, we shouldn't uh, just go, we, we wouldn't just go for refuge because someone said that the Buddha jewel is the ultimate form of refuge. We need to develop faith. Uh, and in order to develop faith, we have to think of all of these reasons why uh, the Buddha is an appropriate basis for our refuge. So we have to th think of all the reasons for this uh, before we just go for refuge. We wouldn't just do so because we heard uh, that it was the right thing to do, or we should do it. So, in the great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment, Lama Tsongkhapa states that um, analytical analysis uh, becomes important uh, if one wants to have the realization of refuge. Uh, so analytical meditation becomes important, or analysis. If one wants to uh, um, um, have renunciation, analysis of, is important. If one wishes to generate the mind that aspires to enlightenment, or bodhicitta, then analysis is uh, important. So in Lama Tsongkhapa's Lam Rim Chemo, the great treatise on the stages of the path to enlightenment, he emphasizes the importance of the analysis of these topics um, uh, um, or at an intellectual level, or in analyzing them uh, in order to really realize them. So, 
once we uh, look at all of the, engage in this analysis, we'll develop a sense of faith um, in, in Buddha. And then, if we turn to the various types of suffering and think about the suffering of birth, the suffering of aging, the suffering of sickness, and the suffering of death, uh, we might uh, have kind of a fear come over us. Um, but then we can turn towards uh, Buddha and recognize that the Buddha has the ability uh, um, to, um, I don't want to use the word free us, because uh, it's not its intention, but show us how to be free from suffering. Uh, so the Buddha is an appropriate basis of, of faith at that moment, because the Buddha has the abilities and, and knows all, or is an all-knower. Uh, Chen wrong, knows 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 all. yeah knows everything or knows all. So the Buddha is an appropriate basis of faith. So it's stated that refuge is a cause is a result rather, and there are two causes, um, and the two causes of refuge are fear and faith. So those are uh, what is meant by fear and fa fear and faith being causes of refuge. The fear and the suffering and the faith in the in the Buddha. So when we see the refuge formulas, I take refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, um, or we see Namo Gurube, Namo Buddhaya, Namo Sanghaya, Namo Dharmaya, we see these words, whether they're in English or Sanskrit, uh, if we think about these things, then we're really having a, a true established refuge, or a real refuge. It's similar to a small child that gets scared when a dog uh, comes uh, towards him or her and runs for refuge to his or her mother. Um, that kind of faith that child has in his or her mother is very similar um, uh, to the faith that we're talking about now. So the mother uh, uh, has love and compassion for the child and the ability to kind of shoo the dog away. It's stated if one has true refuge, then one won't be born in the lower realms. So in the, um, we find a quote that says just that in uh, the um, medium stages of the path, Lama Tsongkhapa's Lamrim Dudin, where it says, After death there is no assurance that you will not be reborn in one of the three unfortunate states. Nevertheless, it is certain that the three jewels of refuge have the power to protect you from their terrors. For this reason, your taking of refuge should be extremely solid, and you should follow its advice without ever letting your commitments weaken. Moreover, your success in, in so doing depends on your considering thoroughly what are the black or white karmic actions together with their results, and then living according to the guides of what is to be adopted or rejected. I, the yogi, have practiced just that. If you would also seek liberation, please cultivate yourself in the same way. What that just to do in that little Hatamalichea, Dibataya, 
There are many benefits of going for refuge. It states that uh, one will eradicate misdeeds, uh, one will the the born into the higher realms of the gods. So it's stated that one will be able to be reborn into the higher realms, one will eradicate negativities, one will have all obstacles removed from their wishes. Uh, so um, one will be able to achieve the state of higher realm rebirth, <coughs> achieve the state of liberation, uh, one will be able to achieve the state um, of Buddhahood. And these uh, um, achievements will be um, uh, free of obstacles if one has this basis of refuge. So, uh, but uh, going for refuge alone without engaging in ethical behavior uh, um, will, uh, it's difficult to, let me, let me just back right up. Uh, if one does not engage in ethical behavior, um, even if one is going for refuge in some way, it, it, it's difficult to say that one would be able to abandon the lower realm rebirth. Um, so it's necessary. The real root of abandoning the lower realm rebirth is engaging in ethical behavior that is the abandonment of the ten non-virtuous activities. So without that ethical behavior, it's difficult to say that just with refuge one would be able to reborn, be reborn into the higher, higher realms or have these higher results. It's inferred that one has that ethical behavior within that refuge. And the great master Nagarjuna has stated that uh, through generosity one will achieve the enjoyments and through uh, ethics one will achieve happiness. And here the enjoyments are referring to the things we use, the uh, enjoyments, the things we have. Um, and happiness is referring to uh, higher realm rebirth. Uh, uh, so, Jinbi Longshu Tringi Day. Jinbi Longshu Tringi Day. Jinbi Longshu and then it, it then it goes on to state uh, through patience one will have a good color or a good hue. So it says through uh, um, generosity one will have enjoyments, through uh, um, ethics one will have happiness, and through patience one will have a good color. If one has uh, engages in great effort, then he or she will uh, have. Um, Prominence, or I've always never know what word to use here. It means that people will really pay attention to you. Ziji uh, Chembo means like uh, you're someone to, to pay attention to, to, to listen to. Uh, so, has someone with great presence. That's how I've translated in the past. Uh, so, through great effort, you become someone who has great presence or a, a great presence. <laughs> And uh, through concentration or through uh, uh, meditation here it's referring to, um, concentration, 
uh, one will um, have a peaceful uh, mind or be at peace with oneself. So the result of, uh, of meditation in the future is uh, having a peaceful mind. So, and then uh, it's stated that the result of wisdom uh, is in a, there is an abundance of results of wisdom, or there are many results of wisdom. Uh, um, um, not only intelligence, but uh, there are the, the wisdoms which will eradicate um, the obstructions to omniscience, wisdoms that will eradicate the afflictive obstructions and allow one to uh, achieve nirvana, uh, wisdoms which will eradicate the uh, lower realm rebirth. So the reason that it's stated that wisdom has so many possibilities is because wisdom uh, has so many different degrees or levels of potency. Uh, depending on uh, the level of wisdom, uh, or how wise the wisdom that we're referring to is. Uh, so the degree of wisdom uh, that we're talking about. So that's why it says there's so many, wisdom has so many different uh, um, results or so many different abilities because uh, there are those, wisdom uh, can, can uh, um, be the, uh, the eradicator of, of all that is negative. So, one thing I forgot from before, so if we look at the ten um, ethics, which is an abandonment of the ten non-virtuous activities, if one can uh, follow uh, all of them, or some, you know, a few of them, or two of them, or three of them, or four of them, Rinpoche was just giving, you know, the number, <coughs> three of them, or four of them, it's very good uh, to be able to do so, if one can. Um, so, <coughs> if one does transgress um, any of the... Um, um, advices. Uh, so if one engages in any of the negativities or any of the ten, among the ten non-virtues, um, then Buddha Shakyamuni has stated that uh, um, uh, it can be purified. And Buddha stated that there are no uh, negativities or non-virtuous activities uh, that cannot be purified. Uh, they all can. Uh, Buddha stated that even the five heinous crimes of killing one's father, mother, uh, uh, um, uh, an arhat uh, drawing blood from a Buddha or dividing the Sangha um, can be purified. Um, so uh, the Buddha prescribed various practice, and uh, one practice is called the Four Opponent Powers. And by ap applying the Four Opponent Powers, um, any negativity, uh, no matter how great, can be purified. <laughs> 
नेपाल हाथ दूँगी ताजी मर गया ताज दिवाचे दिवासा सब ये ना तुम जोवाचे हुआ रहे जोवाचे ने ताजी चीज़ है दिवाचे में है ताज लोची चीज़ में तो आज चीज़ में शाम चीज़ वो अतने जोवाचे हुए रहे so when the the four opponent powers begin with the power of regret uh, which is the first and then the power of commitment. The first, the power of regret, is referring to uh, regretting uh, what one uh, has done, uh, having a regret for having engaged in a non-virtuous activity. Then in Nipa Garisongre, the the Nimachi. So then, uh, um, after regret, then the power of commitment, saying, "I will not engage in this." Uh, uh, so the first, the power is the power of regret, uh, um, feeling sad for having committed it, and then the second is the power of commitment, uh, saying, uh, "I won't engage in this uh, today, or for an hour, or for a minute." or for a number of days, or for a week, month, year, etc., uh, making a commitment to not engage in whatever that activity or non-virtuous activity uh, um, one engaged in. Uh, um, so making some sort of commitment uh, and within, you know, that's realistic. Uh, and this becomes the power of commitment. So first the power of regret, and then the power of commitment. Tambah tu kerja tu, tu ni bukan tu marbah. Tu ni bukan intibatan tu res marbah. Tu ni tu ni bukan intibatan tu res. Tu ni kau intibatan res dah buat debi cawat dengan ini tu res. Dan tu ni santai macam ni dengan ini jemur tu res. Dengan ini kau tu nampi lewat intibatan, ngah intibat, hiji intibat, waktu tu jemur tu res, dah tu res. So when the next is the third, which is the power of the antidote. Um, and this, uh, when we look at antidote, uh, it's stated that there are six different antidotes in uh, Shanti Deva's uh, compendium of trainings. Um, and the first one we can say is dependence upon uh, em uh, emptiness, the tombani, dependence upon emptiness. Um, because here, meditation upon emptiness or wisdom serves as an opponent uh, to all of the other negativities that are created by the graspings, uh, that are created uh, um, initially by grasping. So the next is dependence upon profound sutras, and here this could be referred to sutras such as the Sutra of the Three Heaps, uh, the 35 Buddhas of Confession, um, and uh, um, reciting them. Uh, so uh, here, this is what that's referring to. Mak jualan di tujuh jawa kerja cuma yang dapat tujuh jawa kerja jawa syarikat tu bawa syarikat selalu sajin dapat ini kebetulan di tempat awal walaupun di pemimpin semua awal. So there are many benefits uh, to uh, reciting uh, the names that we find in the did Sanla Sanla Demba. There are many uh, benefits to reciting the names uh, in the thirty-five uh, Buddhas of Confession because. Uh, just by reciting the first uh, name, which is Buddha Shakyamuni, it says, To the founder of the Bhagavan Tathagata Arhat, perfectly completed Buddha, glorious conquer Buddha Shakyamuni, I prostrate or I pay homage. Uh, just by saying that uh, one time, it's stated in commentaries that 
one can purify 10,000 eons of negative uh, karma previously accumulated. Uh, so uh, it, it shows the power of that application of antidote. So by engaging in the, it's also the confession of downfalls or the sutra of the three heaps or 35 Buddhas, it's called all those things. Uh, by engaging in that recitation, one can purify a lot of misdeeds. Dependence upon uh, offering or worship refers to making offerings uh, um, uh, such as on an altar, flowers, uh, um, uh, water bowls, etc. This is what is referring to uh, dependence on offering or worship. The best is to offer the first part of any food or drink that we take in because we're constantly eating and drinking. So we do this by um, stating the um, Sanskrit syllables om ah hom three times. Uh, trans and transforming the offering into something that is suitable to be offered. Um, and then we offer it to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. So because of the um, amount of eating and drinking we do, it, it creates a large amount of offering. Uh, so uh, this is a good time to make offerings. So all you have to say is, Om Ah Hom, Om Ah Hom, Om Ah Hom, three times, and I make an offering to the three jewels. And that's it. Yeah, and then you can eat or drink whatever you'd like. It's just it's that small of a task beforehand. And you can purify misdeeds. Mm. Uh, so the next is uh, dependence upon images, um, and here this uh, means to make images of the Buddha, or to make a new temple, uh, or to create a center, or something of, of, uh, um, uh, of that nature. So that when it's uh, dependence upon images is referring to that. <laughs> So we've now uh, have the um, conjure and tanger uh, uh, um, project that we were doing. The conjure is just translators know it's referring to the all the the teachings the Buddha gave, all of them uh, is in the conjure, and the tanger are the authentic Indian commentaries to all the teachings the Buddha gave, and we've just gotten them from India. Uh, they've arrived, um, and it was a, a group effort. Uh, so as a result of them arriving, all of the members of the center uh, are receiving this karma that we're speaking of uh, because we've now uh, received these books uh, that we're, we're going to have here in the center later on at some point. It's 1,300 pounds <coughs> of them. So it's a few, few books, uh, a lot of volumes. Um, so it's going to cover like this whole area. But they're all the teachings the Buddha ever gave and all the commentaries, authentic Indian. So it will purify the previous uh, students' karmas, the current students' karmas, and future students' karma, uh, who will attend karmas by having these texts. You can you can look at to look at the text. You can hear the text, 
Uh, you can read the texts. Uh, all of these things become purification. Uh, uh, they're very heavy, though. It said Ted was carrying them, and he was carrying them up the stairs. John. Okay. And the last two are uh, dependence upon names and dependence upon recitation. Dependence upon names, uh, when we look at the prayer book, we find many name mantras, the Chen Rezig, Shakyamuni, many name mantras in there. If uh, we are just reciting the names without a meditation connected to it, then this becomes recitation of names, or dependence upon names. Uh, if we are doing uh, the mantric recitation and simultaneously doing the meditation practice, the front generation, the self-generation practices that are connected to the recitation or to the mantras, then this becomes dependent upon recitation, dependence upon recitation. So the difference between dependence on recitation and dependence upon names is whether or not there's the front generation or self-generation practice that goes along with the uh, names themselves. Um, so that's what differentiates those two. So it's dependence upon sutras, dependence upon emptiness, dependence upon recitation, dependence upon images, um, dependence upon worship or offering, and then dependence upon names. Uh, so those are the six that we find in Shantideva's Compendium of Trainings. And then the last opponent power uh, refers to the power of basis. And power of basis refers to going for refuge um, and uh, the mind that aspires to enlightenment. So it's first the power of regret, second the power of commitment, third the power of antidote, and fourth the power of basis. So we've already gone over refuge um, mm. in the, this fourth category of basis. Mm. So uh, when we uh, uh, have the desire uh, uh, to emerge from our own suffering, um, then, uh, then this becomes a small or a medium scope uh, refuge. When we look at other suffering and wish that they also be free from their suffering and have a desire to um, get them out or have them emerge from their suffering, uh, then this becomes a, a, a great vehicle refuge or a great scope refuge. Okay. And then the second half of that, the mind that aspires to enlightenment, um, is a result. Um, and there are two uh, causal practices which we excuse me, to that result of the realization of bodhicitta, or the mind that aspires to enlightenment. And those practices are uh, the first um, seven-point cause and effect for realizing the mind that aspires to enlightenment, and the second 
uh, is called equalizing and exchanging self with others. So in the uh, Maitreya's Mahayana Sutra Alamkara, it states that the root of the mind that aspires to enlightenment is truly uh, um, compassion. Um, and when looking at the seven-point cause and effect for realizing the mind that aspires to enlightenment, uh, the first four, four steps are as follows. Recognizing that all sentient beings are our mothers. Uh, the second is remembering their kindness. The third, wishing to repay their kindness. And then the fourth is called love through the force of attraction. Um, and these four uh, become causes for uh, the fifth uh, step in, in that instruction, which is great compassion. So it's stated that these four lead up to the result of great compassion. Um, and then uh, the sixth and seventh step refer to the extraordinary attitude and then bodhicitta, which is the ultimate result. And it's stated that great compassion uh, is the cause of the extraordinary attitude um, and the mind that aspires to enlightenment. So within that seven-point cause and effect instruction, it's either a cause for compassion or a result of compassion, and the result being ultimately the mind that aspires to enlightenment. So by thinking over and over again about the seven-point cause and effect instruction, we're meditating on the mind that aspires to enlightenment. So the second uh, instruction, the second lineage of instruction is passed down through Master Shanti Deva, um, and it's called the equalizing and exchanging self with others practice. And this uh, shows the the negativities or the drawbacks <coughs> of self cherishing attitude um, and the excellent qualities of cherishing other attitude. Um, so the Shanti uh, Shanti Deva's lineage uh, um, uh, um, shows us these these two. Um, the, the practice within the Shanti, uh, in Shanti Deva's lineage is for us to be able to realize that mind which cherishes others and abandon the negativity, negative mind that cherishes oneself. So how, when we're thinking about purification, how should we think about how our misdeeds are purified? Uh, we have to realize that they're lessened uh, slowly, little by little, um, as we engage in opponent practices. So uh, the negativities of our body and our speech and mind are, are lessened, so their ability to produce those rebirths into the hell, hungry ghost, and animal realms are lessened little by little as we practice more and more. So it's not an immediate 
uh, um, eradication or purification. It's a slow process of uh, continuous activity of practice, continuous practice. So if one puts a, a seed uh, into uh, the ground, uh, then a sprout will arrive. But if one uh, burns that seed, then the sprout uh, can't, there won't be a sprout that arrives. So by applying the, the fire of the four opponent powers, uh, one is able to um, burn away uh, the, the uh, seeds of misdeeds uh, that we possess, the seeds of misdeeds we have. Mm -hmm. So when, uh, if we ask who has been able to purify misdeeds, is there an example of a being who has done so? Uh, we find the story in Nagarjuna's letter to a friend of Angumala. Uh, who was given improper instruction by a, a misguided spiritual teacher who said to kill 1,000 people. And uh, uh, Angumala got to 900, and it killed 999 people. Um, and when he got to the thousandth person, it was Buddha. Um, and Buddha um, then taught the four opponent powers to Angumala. Um, and as a result of um, practicing the four opponent powers, Angamala did not have to uh, experience the suffering um, uh, of killing, uh, the, experience the suffering uh, that would normally have to occur as a result of engaging in killing. And he actually achieved the state of foe destroyer in that lifetime because of the practice of the four opponent powers and their potency. <laughs> ね、デバタベタクタカリオスね。ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、ね、
so that dream state is uh, really influenced by that. Uh, let me let me go back. That's not true. That's not right. So the first, <laughs> that's wrong. The first stage uh, is created um, uh, um, of our dream state is as a result of previous work that we've done, our karma, etc. The second stage is influenced by gods or spirits um, uh, that that might be present while we're dreaming. Uh, so it's not uh, something that we analyze. It's that third stage of our dream state that we analyze. And it's only if we are mentally and physically well. We can't have mental or physical illness at the time of this analysis. But if we are well mentally and physically, we can analyze our dreams. And if we have a dream of uh, drinking uh, something nice or having good food or seeing a large fire or sun rays uh, or uh, the top of a mountain or just waking up uh, and feeling generally good. Uh, if we have this experience when we wake up and our mind feels content, we know we've had a, a good experience of some sort. Uh, these are all signs that we've uh, purified some sort of negative karma. Um, so this is how we, we know if we've purified uh, something. We see it in this third stage of our dreams. This is what's stated uh, by Buddhism. Uh -huh. So, uh, there's a slight difference, but similarity. Uh, if we look at the Christian tradition and the Hindu tradition, uh, where uh, there aren't all of these different destinations, but we have uh, hell and we have heaven. Um, and if one goes for refuge to uh, Jesus, goes for refuge to God, uh, has faith, um, uh, and has faith, then he or she will be able to be born and in, in, uh, has faith and engages in ethics, he or she will be able to be born into heaven. If the opposite is true, if there isn't this refuge in uh, Jesus, God, or this faith, or this ethical behavior, then one is born into hell. So we see this similarity between uh, the connection between religions and the connections between actions and their consequences. So in Buddhism, we have the pathway to the lower realms and the pathway to the higher realms. Um, and in Christianity, we have this we have this idea of going for refuge to Jesus and God and having a good faith. And then, as a result of it, uh, um, uh, being born into heaven. So this is the pathway to the heaven or to the higher realms, like in Buddhism. All religions are very similar. Maybe we would just become Christian. <laughs> so maybe some people have questions. Questions? 
Like the Haiti earthquake. The Haiti, the Zion, the Chu, the the Summa Kagi so really just the three jewels uh, become the greatest uh, protectors the, the Buddha the Dharma um, and the Sangha um, because by um, going for going for refuge in the, the Buddha the Dharma and the Sangha and generating love um, and compassion uh, for uh, beings this um, is the ultimate protection or the ultimate protector so so uh, thinking of, of it in this way um, uh, is these are the best protectors so there's been so many problems with earthquakes. We see earthquakes in China and Taiwan and Indonesia and Chile and Pakistan and uh, Haiti. We see so much activity with earthquakes. It's terrible. This is all a result of, of karma. It is all karma. Kanga leg. It is all karma. Okay, so there's a story um, of, uh, uh, and Rinpoche said uh, he's not sure what opposing clan during the time of Shakyamuni Buddha uh, and the Shakya clan, um, and there was an opposing uh, army that came, and Rinpoche said he was not sure in the story, is it a, a Christian army, a, a, a Hindu army or a Muslim army, he's not sure, you know, historic, what exactly the army was in the story. Um, but Mugiputra, who had so many abilities, went to Buddha and said, um, I will take the whole army uh, to the other side of the ocean um, uh, that's coming to attack the Shakya clan. And Buddha Shakyamuni said, it will be of no benefit whatsoever. It's karma. 
um, uh, and he stopped Mugiputri, said that it won't be of any benefit. But then uh, there was two children that were hidden. Um, uh, one child was hidden uh, underneath Buddha's begging bowl, um, and another child, the Dawa, was hidden at the moon, in the moon. Um, and then when the army came to kill the whole Shakya clan, uh, both those two children died as well, even though they were protected. One was on the moon, and one was underneath the, the begging bowl. And when asked why, the Buddha stated it was karma. This was the reason. There was no, no stopping karma. There was no stopping karma, basically. Okay, okay. Um, I haven't heard this story before, so I apologize if it's not exact. But the, um, there's a story of during the time of Chandrakirti uh, in Nalanda Monastery when an army arrived uh, to actually uh, fight uh, at, to, to overthrow or to take the monastery over. And Chandrakirti said to everyone, don't worry. Uh, don't worry, I have a plan. And the, on Nalanda Monastery, there were two lions that were made out of rock. And Chandrakirti, through some magical power, turned, uh, uh, um, brought them to life, and they chased the army off, like a dog would chase, chase something off. These two rock lions came to life and chased them away because of the magical, his magical abilities. Rinpoche is saying, like, almost like an emanation Chandrakirti emanated into them, or just some sort of magic took place. Uh, um, and it's just a story uh, from Nalanda University, and just showing Chandrakirti's uh, powers. Uh. The Omara Kali Kapudu, then Chandrakirti, Okay, so uh, Chandrakirti was so smart. They were, they, they didn't know how to really milk cows. Uh, at the, they were having difficulty in getting milk and getting the from the cows. And Chandrakirti drew uh, all these, there's all these pictures of, of how to milk a cow that Chandrakirti drew all over to show and uh, how to do it. And then they were, from the pictures, very, they then were able to very easily milk these cows. So just more stories of how uh, wonderful Chandrakirti was and uh, how many things he knew and what his abilities were. 
anyone who's new, Chandrakirti is one of the greatest Indian masters who wrote commentaries on uh, Buddhist speech and mostly about uh, middle way philosophy, which is the highest philosophy um, of the tenets of Buddhism. So karma and results, there are, there's many different uh, aspects of karma and its results. So what is the, does Christianity say about, um, Rimichi is asking a question, like about this idea of every moment's action having some sort of consequence. Uh, what does Christianity say about that? That's Rinpoche is asking. Like in Buddhism, there's 65 moments in a second, <laughs> or something, right? 65. Some say some texts say 64. Some say 65. So there's in one second, there's many that many things, opportunities for an action we're engaging in that creates an experience. So Rinpoche is asking, what does Christianity say about every? Is every moment as important? So this is something for scholars of the traditions to discuss amongst each other. What is the cause of a hurricane? What's the cause of an earthquake? All of these, all of these things. Uh, we should, uh, all should get together and discuss these things. All of religions are so beneficial. So maybe that's enough. Maybe difficult, Ramachi said. Uh, so why don't we go to the concluding prayers? Thank you, everyone, for listening very well. Concluding Mandal offering and dedication prayer, uh, and then ending with a long life prayer for Rinpoche. And uh, everyone remember that on Saturdays we have just the prayer to the 21 Taras, uh, um, the female Buddha. Um, and on Sundays, uh, Rinpoche is now teaching the Lama Tsongkhapa's great treatise on the stage of the path to enlightenment. Uh, both Saturday and Sunday begin at 10 and end around, uh, Sunday definitely at 12, Saturday around 12, right? 1130, yeah. 11.30, 12 o'clock. And then Tuesdays, except for the first Tuesday of every month, we just have prayer ceremony. So thank you all for coming, and let's do the concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure land. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Osandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In the pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, the source of all benefit and happiness, all powerful Avogateshvara, Tenzin Gyatso, may stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of the precious Tenzin Lama, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, the spiritual friend and transcendent the five great philosophical texts with exceptional wisdom and perseverance.